0: Welcome back to the Neuroaffirming Parent Podcast, the show where we explore the world of neuroaffirming parenting and the wonderful lived experiences of neurodiversity. So I am your host, the Neuroaffirming Parent, and in today's episode, we have a special guest, a fellow neurodivergent mom that you may know and probably already follow. Her name is Lucy, and she is on Instagram as at Chapman. She is a neurodivergent ADHD mom of an enthusiastic eight-year-old. She is a her eight-year-old is a unicorn artist, maker, creator, builder, and teacher. But Lucy teaches music and movement to kids from ages birth to four years old with a parent or a caregiver. And Lucy loves to garden. She loves to dig in the dirt, follow child-led play to see where it goes. And her own best friend was the first definitively person to diagnose her with ADHD just a few years ago. So, welcome so much, Lucy. Tell us how Thank you are today. Thank you so today. much.
1: Yay! <laughs> I'm so happy to be with you. I've uh, I've learned so much from you, and uh, I really your your content really just adds a lot to our lives. So we're we're grateful for y'all, and I'm excited to be with you. Thank
0: you so much for being here, and you were also one of the very first people that responded to my guest little questionnaire, but please tell me more, because I know with my family history, you know, you learn snippets throughout your life about not just the brain and neuroscience, but what drew you to neurodiversity?
1: Well, you know, I feel like in some ways I fell backwards into it, um, becoming a mom, bit later in my life um has brought so many gifts to me and i really feel like one of the greatest gifts was recognizing that um one of these kids is not like the other ones and that was early (laughs) early on (laughs) and um and i was at a point where i you know when she was two and in preschool um and they're like well she doesn't sit in the circle and do all the things the other kids are doing and what I know about what is developmentally appropriate play and um, how people learn is that I said, "Well, great, she doesn't need to." Yes. Um, you know, two-year-olds don't. You know, we we can train them to sit in a circle, some of them. But my my little unicorn was like, uh, "Nope, I won't be doing that." <laughs> and uh, and she has pretty much been doing that ever since, um, which has really um, I feel like we've learned about neurodiversity and um in some ways the hard way because we were getting so many messages yes from you know from her preschool teachers from other teachers from the pediatrician from you know this or that resource that you know and certainly from you know well meaning family friends and things like that you know oh you just need to oh all you need to do is this you know just clamp down Um, And, you know, none of that stuff worked for us, um, caused a lot of 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 real, really hard times for my daughter. And so moving sort of backwards into unraveling like, hey, what's actually going on here? Like what what's happening for this person Um, has been you know, it took a lot of research and that's why I admire you so much because, um, you know, we're, we're, we're digging in there and we're like, okay, uh, what's happening here. So once I really, it was a process of learning how to really radically center my child and what her needs were. Um, and, and really that came down to, you know, she's eight and a half now. she's about to be nine actually. And, um, yeah, what kind of birthday, almost any minute.
0: What kind of birthday party?
1: Well, it's um, either going to be unicorns. She's big on those. Might be Bluey. Um, I love Bluey. We're still, like, yeah. Oh, the best, the best. Although she really, actually prefers um, Bingo because she likes to yes. be a champion. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So she's like, you know, the the episode where Bluey, is, or excuse me, where Bingo is um, doing the handstands.
0: Yeah. And nobody
1: at the party and nobody will watch her. And then her Nana, you know, at the end, like catches the whole thing. Um, that's, that's probably one of her favorite episodes. So yeah, we're, she's all about planning a party. And then of course, at the last minute, <laughs> we're going to throw change. in some wrenches, <laughs> right? Because, you know, ADHD says, um, that's kind of boring now. <laughs> right. Well, it's funny <laughs> we you mention some- that
0: because I, I conflict and I tell people all the time, like, I don't know. Like I've taken online tests. Uh, I don't, unfortunately don't have the money to get fully assessed, but I don't know if I have ADHD or I was just raised by an ADHD mom and an ADHD sister Uh and flexibility. We didn't talk about it. We just did it. So if we had always plan a, and if that didn't work out from the weather or nobody showed, we knew my sister, my mom wasn't always dysregulated by that. But my sister would get very dysregulated if like she planned a party and nobody showed up. And, you know, we just didn't make it a big deal. We'd always have a plan B or C in our back pocket. So if she wanted to plan a party, yes, supported her with that. But if nobody showed, it's okay. We can go to a movie. We can go to a restaurant. We'd always kind of keep the ball rolling. So it's not so much to avoid the dysregulation, but just to be aware of it and know that she is going to be regulated eventually but right. we need to support her in that moment
1: that's so beautiful that's really wonderful because you know when you when you unpack like all the things like that like what a party is it's a celebration yeah and you can do that anywhere because it's really about the people that you want to be with um you know that's not true for everybody i guess like But when you have that sort of atmosphere where it's like, okay, well, we're, we're ready for this. We're ready for that and stuff. So I'm like, yes, I can totally roll with that. Cause I'm always like, okay, but then, you know, having all the options available, um, and recognizing that you're really centering what you want to happen and you want to be with these people. You want to have a good time. Yes. And, um, and you want everybody on board as they are able. Um, Ah, I love that. That is so. Um, I feel like that's a um, one of those when you really look at what having ADHD means. Which, like, a, a, like you said, um, my friend diagnosed me, and um, and my dad was a neurologist. Oh,
0: cool.
1: um, yeah, and he had undiagnosed ADHD. Well, his partners knew, and when early on, when he was doing a lot of research and stuff, um, and you know, a, it was ADD then, and yes. um, and there he was like, you know, this is this is amazing. They were learning about it, and he's like, how are we going to help these people? And his partners were like, said right. a poster child for <laughs> ADD. Um, so, but it, it's really interesting when I reflect on that, because here I am at, at 53 and I'm unpacking what that means. And I've really learned, um, it's been a process of learning with self-compassion yes. um, and and recognizing that when you are out in the world and there's so much of how our systems are built and how people operate that is, not affirming to people with neurodiversity and but they're there Well,
0: and also <laughs> a right lot there. of our inventors are neurodivergent and things and accommodations that we've made universal were originally meant for neurodivergent population but then we made it inclusive and included everybody and that's my struggle is like because even the keyboard like my daughter when we had to advocate for her in school we were told she couldn't have certain visual charts. She couldn't have certain visual aids. And I would go home and look at my phone and sit back. And it was probably my dyslexic thinking, but I was like, I have a visual aid. Anytime I pick up my phone and look at my keyboard, I don't have to remember the alphabet. I don't have to remember numbers. Like, Absolutely. and that's probably helping, you know, the older communities too, because you lose that information. Like visual aids aren't a bad
1: thing. Absolutely. My my daughter, one of the when the last school that she did attend, um, which in theory serves uh, children with speech delays and other developmental um, differences, um, was not only not affirming, but they were you know were always projecting f- future circumstances. Yeah. Well, when she's in school, she will need to this when she is there and i said but that's why she's here yes that's why she's here with you (laughs) was to learn these things um so it, it is amazing the um the degree to which we as there there seems to be this separation about what is is what's the the right way to learn yes versus when we look at ourselves like you say and how do we use technology how do we you know do we make a list? Do we use these things? Um, it, it's just, it's, what's helpful is helpful to the person and, who, who and
0: neuroscience tells us today, we never stop learning. So
1: it's <laughs> like... Yes. <laughs> yes.
0: Like, I don't get how IEPs and I've talked to, in one of my other episodes to a IEP um, parent advocate, you know, when you're going to advocate for your kid, can you just make an implicit statement and say, well, I want my kid to learn. No, you have to document, oh, I want this curriculum. I want this strategy. I want this accommodation. And we have to be explicit to advocate. But then the school is like, oh, if you left out this one little line, oh, we don't have to do that. And it's like, but but you won't be explicit with our children.
1: (laughs) Right, right. You know, I really do feel like there's a, um, the, so much of what I have learned what clearly you have have learned and what you're showing people is that as parents we are the ones who know yes the best
0: and we need support and we, we, don't we need come support to ask and and ask for a trophy and be like oh do I get the parent of the Year award? No, we just want our kids to be happy in their school and learning and not coming home crying or, you know, telling us, Hey, the teacher was mean to me today. Cause then what do we feel? That flood of emotion. And we're like, what can we do to help?
1: (laughs) Right. Right. Well, and you know, we were, you know, and and that sense of belonging is, is huge. Um, And that's something, you know, finally we have, we have found that, but that was, I mean, that is the most heartbreaking part. Is you know, children who don't feel like they belong, children who are spoken to in in ways that are you know painful, um, and certainly not helpful. Um, when there's something they literally you know, not only they can't help, but they need that that support or someone to help them identify like, okay, what's actually going on here? Where can, where is it helpful? Where can we get in and support you so that you're onto your next thing?
0: Yes, I completely agree because like, I I've seen both sides of it. Like I understand, like maybe in the future, it might be great if we just say, Hey, you know, we're in a divergent family, our kids are going to need these kind of things to leave out you know, the labels and the stigma in the future, I think that's going to be great. But I think people forget moms like us where we're in the trenches, you can't get IDA protection or certain accommodations unless you say disability. And even in my experience with the school system, like they refuse to say dyslexia, because that's technically a social advocacy term in the language for legal terms you have to say specific learning disability and it's like
1: you can't win oh my gosh wow see and that I have to be be honest like we have mostly been in a in private school situations
0: which is a whole different ball game
1: <laughs> because because quite frankly as a neurodivergent person even like the things that you're saying and when, like, when it comes down to IEPs and 504s and all the things. And I, I'm like, You just get overwhelmed.
0: You're like, what?
1: I'm completely (laughs) overwhelmed. My brain's like, I don't know what that means and I can't even tease it apart and then put on load on top of that. The fact that I know it's going to be a fight. Yes. I'm no one's going to be like, you know, let's just, we want to do the, what's the best thing here. No, (laughs) we will do the bare minimum. Yes. And we're going to really push back on a lot of that because we don't want to. And it's only applied in this specific setting as if you're you're one kind of you're just only partly human when you're at school. And then the rest of your life, like there's no transference of anything there. So so just for me personally, I realized my my resistance to it um, because I kind of drove the school path. Was that you know even just filling out forms and and the 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 language on forms um, that you may have may or may not have filled out for your child um, even at the pediatrician's
0: was, office, yes, like what's your uh, family history? Do you have mental illness? do you
1: have <laughs> right I right. an
0: asterisk and I'm like dyslexia like
1: <laughs> right already struggling <laughs> already struggling to get on to on with your program here because, Um, yeah, so that kind of stuff, and that was part of the unpacking process for me was that, you know, it would be emotionally loaded and, you know, I have ADHD and RSD and even just knowing those things for myself has been helpful to try to tease apart, like, what am I bringing to this? Yes. And then what can I, so how can I remove that to make sure that I'm getting my daughter exactly what she needs um and yeah so that that's i mean and that's still ongoing for me because yes. you know by this point i've i've, I've learned uh, i've learned a lot but my comp- compensations you know <laughs> basically sort of fell apart within the <laughs> last year or so it's almost like building up from scratch which is a is actually a great thing it's a really which great maybe thing. we
0: should just make like a phoenix symbol because i feel like burnout <laughs> it's not a death sentence like you can burn and build yourself back up and
1: <laughs> uh, That thank you so much for that. That's beautiful. Yes. And my husband's tattoo is a phoenix on his arm. So this, oh, that is so rich and resonant. Thank you. And and so true, because in our experience, like you know, our family burnout situation that we're we're you know have found equilibrium, oddly, with a move. Um which is not typically you wouldn't typically find that a move is something that is, uh, is produces stap- stabilization. But honestly, we, um, we made a big move and, and it definitely has been that. And, and some of it, I think even just shifting and, and this is a privilege that we got to do this. And, and we're, you know, there are, there are other impacts for making these decisions, Yes, you know, which, we knew that when the opportunity presented itself, we had my husband and I had agreed, like, okay, if if this were to happen, our answer is yes, right? And we both were yes, like, yeah,
0: yeah. I'm in that right now. Like, if we get an opportunity, really we're moving, yes.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. That's great. But well, it's funny because
0: just- you know, it's my I can't unpack it. I don't know if it's my dyslexic thinking, but it's something like that. Like, you see the opportunity. And you communicate and it's not even about setting like concrete goals, but it's just like, okay, if the stars align, we're going for it.
1: (laughs) Right. Right. So
0: I did want to ask, are there any other times kind of looking back, were there any like job changes or school changes or moves that you kind of looking back now feel like your ADHD helped you to navigate?
1: Hmm. What a good question. Um, well, you know, I've always had, um, yes. So actually, what got me into doing what I'm na- I am now, I teach a program called Music Together, and um, when it was when my daughter was a baby, you know, a a neighbor who got to be a dear friend was like, oh, you've got to you've got to go try this. And, you know, it's music. So you're with your baby and you're on the floor and you stand up and you dance around and you sing and, you know, all this stuff. And I had, I reconnected. I used to be in choirs, you know, oh, cool. when and I so was my mom. Yeah. <laughs> really, I was in choir, like in church and in school. And I loved, I, I love to sing all that, you know, and, but between Going to, back to class with her, and then like I basically, you know, I sang in the shower and in my car, and that yeah. was about it. And so I just like the playfulness of it, and and all of this, and it was a really welcoming, affirming kind of an atmosphere because it was like, you know, it you're singing to to your child and to babies, like it's so it's a blast. And I was, hopefully, oh my don't. gosh, like. <laughs> yeah no 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 definitely like far from it it's it's so it's not performance oriented at at all it's learning how to participate oh so I was like this is so great like I was like charged up and so we did it for a couple of sessions like you know they're a few weeks at a time and then by the spring I was like um they were having a teacher training come around and I was like uh I'm gonna do this I'm just gonna do it yes and um and so I did and I mean it's it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. It's like, I love it so much. I just actually was, uh, singing with my, my, my fellow teachers today. And, um, it's just such a, I mean, you know, neuroscience tells us like, yes, you know, singing together in groups is good for our mental health. I mean, it's good for your vagal tone. (laughs) It's just good. (laughs) And it doesn't matter what comes out. The product is not at all what matters. It doesn't matter. Um, now, people have a lot of may have been told different things like a choir director who said, hey, 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 just uh, just mouth the words. You don't need to sing out loud. Oh, you know? no. So, yeah. <laughs> there are people. But what the beautiful thing about it is, is that in in what I do is that I'm working, you know, the children, they they already know how to play and they're figuring out how to sing and do all this stuff. So grownups like reconnect with their singing selves like I did yeah. So it's just this really wonderful thing. It's also based in developmentally appropriate practice cool. so that it's mixed age. Um, so it's birth to five. And um, so, you know, if you imagined a teacher in a classroom teaching all of those ages, you'd be like, well, you can't do that because yes, the way can. that our, our <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can. And um actually for most of uh, most of time, we learn and we learn in and from our groups, and um, and it was really interesting as I as I went along, and I got an advanced certification in that, and I got to actually do that with one of the authors of the program.
0: Oh, cool! Which was
1: like just yeah, just a a real highlight for me. And I in in college, my degree was is in anthropology. Oh. I had always been. Um, interested in archaeology and, and museum studies. You mentioned museums before. So that kind of really, my ears kind of pricked up at that too. And, and she tied back, knowing my background, you know, she tied music back to like, that's how we build community as human beings. Yes. So that it's such a natural way for us to connect with each other and to build you know, build skills, build community, build, you know, language, build all of these things, build our artistry, build our expression. Um, so it it really ended up just being like the whole thing. And it was one of those things where, you know, if I had thought about it for a long time, I'd have, I would have definitely talked myself out of it. But ADHD, thankfully, yeah. we don't get to think about it for very long, right? It's like, nope, we're doing the things. So let's go. Um, Which is funny actually,
0: you know, I'd say that about my mom too, which, you know, brings it back to your daughter is, you know, in school, what would they call that? Impulsivity. And, you know, it's just that impulse in your body. You don't know what's telling you, but something's driving you. Hey, let me do this now. But you're just right. Like, that's what forced my mom to move from New York all the way to North Carolina to have me. It forced her to go to school for nursing, even though she dropped out in ninth grade. You know, it's, people don't understand- You know, what something in school looks like as a problem in the real world, it's usually a solution. <laughs>
1: so. Absolutely. What a beautiful, like, those kinds of reframes. I mean, that is what being neuroaffirming really is all about because you're reframing that. Like, look at your passion. Look at your curiosity. Look at your drive. You saw that. You made it. You put something together. You noticed something that sparked something in you and you went for it. Like all of these are qualities that are sorely needed in the world. They're not just they're not just positives like they are. They're inspiring and they really force. Not force is not the right word, but they are a force, I guess is a better way to say it. Like they are a force for like beauty and creation.
0: Yes. And a lot of it, my sister, she was not identified for her strengths at all in school because she is very creative and very artistic. And so her medium was paints or coloring. And now she gets to use it in marketing. And she went to school, got her bachelor degree. And, you know, I'm very proud of her because there were several times when she was in school that she was not, she had so much anxiety around a test that it inhibited her from, you know, getting the highest test scores. I think she's gifted. And the only reason I was probably identified was just because I figured out how to answer that question and manage my time. Right. And, it was probably my dyslexic thinking. It was like, reminding me like, Hey, you got time to do this. Oh, you might need to move on from that question. Uh, but my sister, she was just so paralyzed in that first, like, Oh, I have to write my name. I have to put the date. What's oh. today's date? Like, Oh, and then you right. already lost 20 minutes.
1: <laughs> right. Well, and you know, that's the, you know, so interesting. My um, I've, I've, and a part of this reflection process, like I, um, I was reading the New York times when I was four. Um, and I did very well, you know, I did well in school with minimal to no effort. Mm -hmm. Um, don't tell, well, don't tell my mom, (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's okay now. I guess we're all right. We're in the clear. Um, but I, um, You know, and I was, you know, back when Duke had that gifted and talented program or whatever. And like when I was in seventh grade.
0: I hope they change it to something. Cause I was, I was like happy. I was like, oh wait. Cause I think during the pandemic it went virtual and I was like, oh wait, my kids can do this. And then it's kind of not, it's dissolved. So I guess
1: it's done. Yeah. So I was identified for that in seventh grade. And um, now that I've thought back on it, I mean, essentially I just sort of, I don't even know what happened with it. I don't even know what I did. I know I didn't do anything because there was so much reading, mm. like just straight up reading. And I had, i didn't know how to get started, like anything independent study. Like I loved being in school for the structure. <laughs> but anything where it's like, go do it on your own. I was like, what? Like, yes. well, how do you do that? I don't know how to do that. And I didn't even know, I didn't know that you could, there, you, at that time, it was like you know. Well, you're smart; you figure things out. You know what I mean? And Ugh, I was like, oh. I hated
0: that in school. I hated. You have so much
1: potential. Arlena. Yeah. Yeah. But I, like, I didn't know, I didn't even know. Yeah, that I could ask. It. It, it didn't even occur to me that I could. I, I. I was like, I didn't know what to ask somebody to to get help.
0: Yes. Yes.
1: So yeah, weird.
0: Well, another thing I have to comment on that is I have, and I've been writing more as I think about it, is people don't understand that kids feel when you're frustrated. You don't have to tell me that you're frustrated. I remember there was like so many times I would ask a question, even when the teachers adopted that phrase of no question is a bad question. But we uh, as students saw some kids got I can make you feel pretty bad. Yes. And because I remember in my science class, there was a girl and she was known for asking certain questions and the class would almost like, you could feel the breath pull and hesitate when she asked a question. That's not affirming. That's not a safe environment. You know, at that point, once you get so much rejection, and if you have rejection
1: sensitivity, you're not going to raise your hand. Right. Right. Well, you know, that, um, I feel, you know, with my daughter, um, this very, what we're talking about, like I could feel what I started to really unpack that impact that you're talking about, that, that relational energy around how you engage with someone. And I did find, um, I found an approach. It's called the nurtured heart approach. Mm. And, um, the things that I love about it is that, um, and there's, I think I, I, um, there's a one, I heard one podcast, um, where, you know, um, this woman, Elizabeth Sylvester in Austin, she's a psychotherapist and she was, she's been a nurtured heart practitioner for a long time. And in her practice, that's her primary way because it's about the emotional tone in a family. Um, and it does not say like, okay, there's something wrong with this person. And, you know, we all have to orient towards that. And she used a phrase and, and you just put me in mind of it um, that she would say, really when we're doing, when you're like, you know, Susie, you did it again. You, you know, you, you left your plate on the table and then it flipped on the floor and now there's crumbs everywhere. You do that every time. So that is so like charged with energy but it's upside down like if you were upside down in your car payment like you're you're underwater you're you're, yes. you're focused on the wrong you're everything's going in the wrong direction and so that really opened my eyes to the fact that um you know and I'm sure you I'm I'm sure you've put out some really interesting things about like the number of messages that that when you are neurodivergent the number of messages
0: yes and, and,
1: Body language is 80% of communication. Well, me and my husband looked into it. It's
0: something about, it's like a cross section of gifted, neurodivergent and trauma. That's something that you read the room and you do it in like five seconds that you already know, like, do you like this person or do you not like this person? And for, it's probably implicit bias too. So you kind of have to like rein it in a little bit. Like, you know, the phrase, like take it with a grain of salt. Um, But no, I know what you're talking about because I think that's what a lot of backlash of positive parenting is, is you don't want to tell parents like, well, hey, use this script, even though you're still feeling this way. No, it's, it's just take a moment before you respond and think to the child inside you and think, how would you want to be told this information? And I don't think that's an abstract idea because I can remember as a child, you know, if my mom had a bad day at work. I already kind of assumed she would be irritated and you know, that's where my people pleasing qualities come from is because I was like, how can I make my mom more regulated? So then she'll respond to me in a way that'll keep me regulated. So you're kind of trying to do both the things. And so as a parent, I think it's, I think number one it's the adult's responsibility to be the the number one regulator, but also be honest. You know, if you're having a bad day, it's okay to tell your kid like, hey, mommy's not good right now. Can you give me just like a few minutes? Um, Like, and even for like ADHD or dyslexia, like my working memory is terrible. I'll be like, hey, remind me in a few minutes what you were asking me. I just need some time. And then we'll come back and work on it together.
1: Right. What a beautiful thing. And, 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 you know, even co-regulating your mom that way. Yes. Like it's, because i 100% agree with you know in general you want the parent you know it it it's my responsibility with my daughter like i have more experience yes in the world i have more experience handling my own emotions and she has a, a disability that literally sets off her threat response and so she, her body is flooded with all these you know cortisol and norepinephrine and and, yes. and things she literally there's nothing different that she can do so that if so that in that scenario always always you know this and the sooner that I can get myself into a space where I'm resourced and I'm like you know hey this is a moment this and these things are going to pass and I love what you said about noticing with your mom and i mean and then being able to to co-regulate her because you know and you mentioned people pleasing and so then that's another thing another layer later but what i really heard was that you were so attuned to what's going on for her and you you know it, it it's a back and forth and i mean that is it is a dance it is it's it's not a one-sided thing although yes. you know the onus the onus belongs to to the adult and when an adult also has a disability yes. or you know you are divergent, they, they're doing the best that they can do as well. So that that support coming back to them, I mean, that's a beautiful, that can only happen when that's been modeled. So here I am, I'm making the, you know, that, that feedback loop. That's and you part know of your, who my
0: favorite models are? Logo. You know who my favorite models are? Mr. Rogers, Daniel Tiger's uh. parents. <laughs> like pbs kids sesame street best. schoolhouse the best. like these and you know people talk about screen time all the time but i'm like if i didn't have screens growing up i don't think my mom would have had so many free publicly funded resources to help us not just co-regulate but kind of understand each other and just like you were talking about music i mean my mom to this day, I was too old for Elmo's world, but we joined in song like Elmo's world, you know, like certain things it's nostalgia. It's, yeah. it's just fun.
1: Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's such a, it's a fun, you know, it's another language. Um, and, and music can, can, uh, music can just do a lot of things that you can't do with words. You can't do other ways. Um, and it's, uh, you said something that made me, of course, you've said, you say it so much that really, um,
0: I talk too much. My husband says,
1: <laughs> no, no, no. I just, I mean, this, I mean, this is what we do, right? Like yes. I, um, my, my friend who diagnosed me, like, we just love to, um, you know, have that on, We, you know, our conversation never ends and there's, you know, at least 45 threads going at any one time yes. and, you know. And there's another beautiful part of our brains is that, you know, we are, you know, there's even, um, on that, on Huberman lab podcast, you ever listen to him? Oh, I have a little bit. Yeah. Andrew Huberman. Um, it, I, I can't stay for the duration anymore cause they've gotten a little bit longer. Um, I'm the same. <laughs> and he's got some really, really fantastic information, but, you know, so thankfully you can speed things up. Right um but that the convergent and divergent thinking and yes. training training your brain to work those ways you know so i feel like you know divergent thinking like uh hello that's you know that's bread and butter that's i mean that's <laughs> just how we do right and so but it's so important to know and to build up within ourselves and within our children like that is a that's a mad skill that people don't have Yes. Like, not everybody can do that. And so, and going back to Nurtured Heart and the difference between positive parenting and um, and something like Nurtured Heart is that what you're trying to do is build up someone's inner wealth, yes. meaning they have an actual picture within themselves of who they are and what they're good at. And that could include... The other day, um, my daughter was coming down from a meltdown because um, the keyboard, we got this, you know, we got a piano keyboard, a digital one, Yeah. You know, not a, not a, nothing special, but bought it from somebody in our neighborhood. I mean, it's, and it is special, but it's, you know, it's not a fancy one. Yeah. And so whatever happens to it happens. And, um, but so we didn't get a manual or anything and it's got a lot of buttons and, you know, oh, programming I could you and with stuff. That.
0: I can help oh, you good. We got a $5 cheap like just like you're saying like cheapo it was on clearance at Walmart, Amazon sells piano books and little sticker keys and they're color coordinated. So Oh cool. It you can learn with your child, but if your child, you know, oh, yeah. ADHD hyperfocus, focus oh, yeah. wants to just teach themselves some days, they can do it. I love this. And my only I idea with that is because growing up, my sister was very musically inclined. I'm, I broke instruments. I could only sing like my mom did. And so my sister, she would learn like violin, clarinet, taught herself piano when they made like this digital keyboard that had like a self teach feature. And we had like a, like a kid's like little piano book from the nineties and it was color coded. And so I was like, oh, I need oh, one of those yeah. for my kids.
1: Yeah, I- <laughs> I'm all about the color coding. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I'm sure you know it from like bells, like with like baby and me classes. Like it's something oh, yes. about that when you feel that in your brain and you're in sync and you're like, wait, I know what bell to go to and
1: you don't have to yes. think
0: about it anymore.
1: So cool. It's so wonderful. Well, and that, that kind of organization that music can offer is, yes. is, and that's another, it's another language and, um, you know, like Reggio Emilia and the hundred languages of children is that, that, you know, the gifts are, the gifts are everywhere. Um, and my daughter's art therapist there, they went to, um, a Reggio Emilia school cool. and she gave me the most beautiful, the teacher, I, when one of her kids in whatever grade, maybe they were in kindergarten, <laughs> they said, they were like, Oh, they look at each child as a book. Mm that they're going to open and they're going to start to read and learn and get to know. But rather than like, I've got all this stuff that I'm going to pack into you. It's like, Oh, what will be revealed about you on the next page and the next page and the next page? Like, like to me, uh, that is just like, I mean, to me, that's like the Holy grail of, any kind of environment that, uh, you would, that anybody would want is that, you know, we are empowered to be who we are, that we are, um, affirmed in who we are, that validated. we are supported and yes, supported in areas where we struggle and, um, and not vilified for that or not punished for that. Um, and, and all of these things, um, it just made me question from an early, early time with my daughter. Like, I was like, so what are we really doing here? Like, yes. why, why don't we always speak to people in empowering ways or in, in compassionate ways? Like, oh man, I saw that you, you, you spilled your paint all over your painting and that you, you put a lot of effort into that. And it was really, beautiful. like, I'm just going to sit here with you. You know, and yes. rather than feeling like we need to make things different than they are, I feel like that has been the the biggest um, blessing of of the journey that we've been on is that once I once we were able to center our daughter and her experience and take away everything and we took away everything that we possibly could that was not serving her you know because once you get to burnout yeah, your messages that your child is sending is like I can't they're not going to say it necessarily or maybe they will but it is evident that if you're actually looking and listening they are not functional yes in the world Their, their basic needs her basic needs she couldn't we weren't meeting basic needs. So if we're at at a point where, you know, basic needs like hygiene or eating or toileting or sleeping, if we're not in a place where those, we have access to those things, then what's really happening here. So being able, I feel like um, you, that metaphor of the Phoenix is just thank you so much for that because it, I, I never would have thought, I mean, it was, it, we've hit some low lows, really yes. low lows and, and it was scary. And here we are now. Some things are meant to be burnt. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If it doesn't work, if it doesn't work, then throw it away, yes. throw it away, burn it, burn it. Yes. And um, so I, in in the strangest way possible, I'm really grateful that it happened because where we are now is so great. And I mean, we have, we've, we've got stuff we're on our plate to do. We've got stuff on our plate yet to figure out and we will. And, but when you're coming at it from a place of acceptance and love and hope, it's very, very different than, you know, places that, um, that, I feel like we can all get to it and, and it, and it might not be as extreme as what we experienced in burnout. Um, but if, if somebody that's listening is in a place that is extreme, um, the greatest gift I think they could offer to themselves and their family is just like, you might need to just tap out of everything Yes. for as, for as, as much as you can.
0: Take a step back and recess.
1: Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely, because it's um, it, what you rebuild is so much stronger and so much so much, you know, it's just full of full of life and love and it's good.
0: And that is honestly just some of the few powerful words that we've heard here today from Lucy. But listeners, please thank you so much for joining us on this journey into the world of neurodivergent mom life within the context of neurodiversity, please remember that embracing neuroaffirming practices isn't just about your parenting or your child, but helping yourself and your family blossom into their authentic selves. So remember, every child is unique. The strategies that you've heard here today may work best for one child, and it may differ for another. Be willing to adapt and evolve your approach as you learn more about your child's challenges, needs, and strengths. Being a neuroform parent is an ongoing journey of learning, empathy, and growth. So if you've enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to subscribe, like, share, and if you feel compelled to, leave a review. So I want to thank you again, Lucy, so much for joining us. And... Thank you so much for listening. This has, you know what? I am just so happy to connect with a fellow mom that gets it and there's no judgment and there's just support and understanding because that's ultimately what we need right now. So if you liked what Lucy said today, please follow her on Instagram at chapman. I will put all her information in the show notes. And until next time, this is the Neuroaffirming Parent signing off.